Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, Britt, are we jam-packed and ready to go, ready to go. We may Lock have to load. do a bonus hour here. We may have to go to a three, four hour, nonstop, just so much. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be like the old Jerry Lewis telethon. Yeah, yeah. We were going to sign off at 6 o'clock when we went till 9. Yeah, oh. yeah. I Can we check that. the board? You're Let's right. check the board. Yeah. <laughs> hey, lady. <laughs> uh, so my, uh, I don't want to spend much time on this, but uh, you know, yesterday they they had the uh, the four Beatles, the uh, the Apple guy, the Google guy, uh, the Microsoft guy, and the Amazon guy up there on Capitol Hill for a little dog and and, and pony show, a little little smacking around, and and uh, I found it interesting when I heard about this a few weeks ago that uh, they were not going to invite what is popularly known in uh, the rock world as the fifth Beatle. Now, now the fifth Beatle here, um, beyond, you know, Jeff Bezos and and, and Zuckerberg and Tim Cook and uh, uh, Mr. Pinchar from from Google, uh, would be Jack Dorsey of of Twitter and Square. Now, now isn't it kind of curious that Donald Trump's favorite Social media platform is Twitter, and the Twitter guy wasn't there yesterday. It is. I would say that's a little unusual, but I don't. I, I, what is your theory on why that didn't happen? Well, my my theory on it is that Trump uses Twitter to uh, get his uh, important, well thought out mm-hmm. <laughs> messages to the American people, thirsting for knowledge mm-hmm. from their their supreme leader, and. Uh, therefore, the, uh, the, the Congress was, uh, uh, not gonna call the Twitter guy up there. It's, you know, the other four are, well, they're way bigger. Twitter's not as big as those, but, but Twitter, uh, again, uh, and I made this, this phrase up, punches above its weight. Okay. <laughs> Um, so do you, so you feel like the Republicans were like, nah, we don't need to hear from that. Cause right. you think that was the, the theory on that? We, we, yeah, we just don't want to offend Trump. It would right. offend Trump to have the Twitter guy raked over the coals because, you know, Twitter has a lot of the same issues that Facebook does in terms mm-hmm. of political crap getting out, of, uh, 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 even if they've stopped accepting political advertising, whatever. So anyway, that's, but, but the, 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 the best part of these kinds of hearings when they bring the tech guys up there is that it always demonstrates that, uh, you've got a bunch of people in the Congress who are completely out of touch with Correct. What's going on in the country. That's correct. And our our winner, our winner from uh, Wednesday was a <laughs> Republican congressman, Greg Stubbe, S-T-E-U-B-E of Florida. That's one of those guys you've never heard of. Of course. And he started off, he started off by complaining to the Google CEO that his searches for Gateway Pundit, his favorite right-wing bullshit website, were showing up differently on his phone than on his computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then he complained that his campaign emails were going to his dad's spam folder. Okay, the, the entire country is watching. One. This is like yeah. the biggest thing ever. These right? are multi-trillion dollar companies. And this guy is... You know, he's back shit. in 19, he's back in 1996, uh, in his knowledge and, and he's displaying it in front of the world. I love it. I, I always love it. 
I always like that when they have like uh, it, and it happens all the time. You have like this the the guy who the president of your company come and he talk to the employees at your branch or whatever. Somebody go, hey, the water seems to be three degrees warmer at the uh, water cooler than it used to be. I mean, just be the most useless <laughs> shit, you know. Yeah, that is the point. That is exactly the point of this meeting, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's always like your personal accident. Hey, the covering on the car, the garage where we park the cars, it's kind of falling off, and I'm getting some leaves and stuff. Can we? Can we do? <laughs> It's it's always shit like that, and it's not even the people that I consider to be the geezers who always have the stupid tech questions. It's even people because I don't consider people, of course, my age to be geezers, Brad. Uh, but like, it's even people like in their forties and stuff who no, ask the stupid shit. It's not necessarily shit. age related. It's right. definitely not necessarily. Uh, it's uh, even people in their forties who don't, you know, they're not quite as tech savvy as people in their twenties or whatever. But at least they've they've had the technology and played with it for a while, and they end up asking like the stupidest, dumbest shit. <laughs> about why their Apple Watch goes off at six o'clock every morning or something like that. It's yeah, always some the, idiotic the shit. Like, right. The argument melts away though because you're going to have some people in their 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 seventies and eighties who yeah. know what's going on. No, so it's you, true. You, you've got nothing to say if you're forty five and, no. and, and and you're out of it because it is it isn't because. And sometimes you will hear this. People in their 40s will act as if, oh, well, I need to get a young person here to show me how to do this. Exactly. Hey, fuck you. Exactly. Fuck you. <laughs> a lot of people, like a lot of people my age are stupid and they don't have any idea about tech and they'll just let their teenage kids kind of just like, I, I get my kid to do it. I have my kid do the Roku or he'll work with my Apple Watch or whatever. That, that's exactly what happens all the time. So they're completely clueless. The kid moves out. And of course, kids are moving out when they're 30 or 35. And then you're on your own you have no idea what to do with the tech stuff all you just need to be clueless about this stuff yeah all right so um i got a, a a a couple things that uh we need to cover here do you want to go with herman cain first or do you want to go with um you know uh uh tweetapalooza let me let me just do herman cain first because i think this is a uh, interesting all right so um herman cain died this morning, what was he, 72, 74? Somewhere at 74, I believe is 74. correct. Same age as Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, and three days before he went in the hospital, he had been at the Tulsa rally. Now, of course, they're going out of their way to say, well, there's no definitive proof that uh, he picked it up there blah, 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 because sure. the incubation period is blah, blah, sure. blah. okay, fine. But he was part of the mask truther movement right well, not a mask where he lived it he didn't just say it he lived it right because you saw him at, at rallies you you saw him stand i mean that was his thing okay so while of course it's it's easy for us to take the the uh the obvious shot here and say you know well this is what happens i mean uh, we don't have to do that without noting that on the day that john lewis uh has his official funeral back there in uh is it is he being buried in Georgia or in uh in um, uh Alabama where I can't remember I, well the service is in Atlanta for sure is Atlanta? that's where the, okay. yep right. um and you know Trump completely is snubbing that one okay so I'm not going I have nothing to say here comes a black man Herman Cain who really really wasn't uppity and disrespectful like John Lewis was to the white master Donald Trump. I mean, he loved himself some Donald Trump, right? Herman Cain was as, as far in the tank, uh, irregardless, uh, excuse me, yeah, irregardless of his color, 
Um, he just loved himself some some Donald Trump. He was on the Trump train all the way. He showed what we like to know, we call it great loyalty, great loyalty to Donald Trump. So here it is, and we are speaking at least five hours after the news came out that Herman Cain died, and Donald Trump has said nothing. I've, mm-hmm. I've looked at enough stories that there's just no way, there's no tweets, there's no nothing. So this fits in. Again, Mary Trump, I, she needed to leave about 500 blank pages at the end of her book so we could keep writing in new shit. Because this is perfect Trump. A guy like Herman Cain, he goes completely into the tank for you. I mean, right. he stands up for you on, on everything. And then he dies. It's sad. Sad for his family. Sad for all the reasons that, that, that anyone uh, is, is dying these days, whether they wore a mask or not. And Trump says nothing. Is would that be a sign of weakness for him, or, well, or, or is would you? It's if, odd because I don't I, I don't think he's seen the opportunity for the Herman Cain death to be the antidote for the John Lewis stuff. I don't th- I, I think that's what I think that's what the setup is going to be, because he's he's sworn off all of the John Lewis stuff. He tra- he he didn't even he barely acknowledged John Lewis's death. And now you can go overboard to the black community and make a big deal out of going to Herman Cain's funeral and visiting with his family and doing all, all sorts of shit. And I just think he's missing a great opportunity here, Brad. Oh, he wouldn't dare. I don't know. I'm he just saying. I'm just saying. Dare. The John Lewis thing was. And then you can go with the why well, they make a big deal about John Lewis, but not about Herman Cain. As if the two are, you know, sy- symmetrical yeah. figures in history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, 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 they're running parallel. They're like, you know, Washington and Jefferson. So again, I'm just trying to predict yeah, the future. Lincoln I don't Rose, know. Rose. I don't know if Tucker Carlson's going to go with this. You know, during his show tonight, I don't know if this is going to be. I, it, but it feels like this is setting up perfectly for. Oh, the liberals make a big deal out of John Lewis, but a man who helped create jobs like Herman Cain gets no play whatsoever. It seems like it's one of those whataboutism kind of you know double standard kind of stories. Man, I I think you may have split the bullseye in half with that one. Because yeah. what a what a great way to insult yes. John Lewis. Yes. By saying, Well, Herman Cain was CEO of Godfather's Pizza. He created jobs. He hired That's... people. What did John Lewis ever do except right. live off the fact that he got beaten up on a bridge? If, right. if they if they dare go there, if they if they even come close to anything like that. And by the way, considering that Trump has gone all in all in now on racism and white suburban housewives right you know the, the, the real housewives of bloomfield hills it's the there up. goes the neighborhood campaign right right but uh i i think i've got the new slogan form okay uh massa m-a-s-a say it just like it sounds massa <laughs> make america segregated again oh nice you like it make america segregated that. again yeah yeah go all in go all it's in. very subtle too I, I i just watch for that to see if they try to do that with herman cain because this again will be a, a way for them to uh, allegedly throw it in the lips look at what he's done for the black community oh. here's a fine black man who dies he's gonna salute him and 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 the, the liberals will not pay one ounce and one iota of attention to Herman Cain except to make fun of him. I mean, it, it, Diamond and Silk could perform at the funeral. This this could be quite the spectacle, Brad. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, boy, I, I'd leave it alone if I were, were them. But yeah. you know, it, it, may be, it may be too tempting. You're right. I'm not gonna, the, what, what am I going to discount the idea that they won't go can't. in the most tasteless 
right. false equivalency uh, move possible in the uh, uh, realm of whataboutism? Yeah, that's here's what the, this would be. Here's the beauty of it too. Herman Cain has Atlanta ties too, so we can have an Atlanta funeral too. It'll be just as you know, it'll be just as fantastic, and we're gonna have uh, all these people there, and we'll have the the current. They have all these loser ex presidents speaking at, at John Lewis's. Boo! So you're gonna have Neil Bortz <laughs> deliver. <laughs> Neil's Neil's very conflicted about this one because usually when a black person dies, he's okay with it, he's fine with it. But it's it's a rich black guy, so he's very conflicted, very very difficult trying to get his arms around this one. Plus, if you can believe what we saw and heard all those years, Herman Cain was uh, Neil Bortz's handpicked successor. Of course, that's I right. don't really believe that's true. Well, it seemed like but, it. But uh, I'll I'll just again I'll I'll go with it for the. Uh, he did this, you know, he had the syndicated radio show in the same time spot. So right, right, right. Yeah, for, right. So, for a couple of years. All right, so uh, I get up this morning, and uh, I know that at 8.30, they're going to be releasing two sets of figures. Thursday is the day that these numbers come out every week. The number of new people applying for unemployment across the country, and then the broad swath gross domestic product number, you know, how fast is the economy either growing or shrinking over the last three months, the big tabulation there. And the estimate was it was going to be, you know, 33.3% on an annualized basis that the the economy is shrinking, which is an unprecedented number. It didn't shrink that much uh, on an annual basis during the Great Depression. That's how bad things are right now. Or as Donald Trump calls it, it's a V-shaped recovery. Okay. Uh, so these numbers are coming out at 8.30, and they do, and they are just about exactly what the predictions were. The the uh, the country's economy is shrinking at an annual rate of about 34%. Now, if you divide that up into quarters, maybe that's about 9% in the last three months if you think there's some kind of – but it, it, that's not how we do it. We do it on the annualized basis, and it's pretty stark. It's pretty – pretty bad. And then the number of people applying for unemployment, new people jumping in there and trying to is is still at one it's like 1.4 million. And and just to give you an idea that's a turnaround. It that number had been slightly declining each week for the last oh two months. Then mm-hmm. last week it turned up. This week it turned up a little bit more. But remember at the worst throws of the recession of 2008-2009, when Bush and Obama were the presidents, the worst month was, I think, 800,000, okay? And that was just for, for uh, you know, a, a, a month or two. That's how many uh, jobs were lost, okay? And this time around, this time around, we're losing jobs at this, just, just kills that number just just wipes that off the map they'll never be talking about 2008 2009 again after what we're going through right now all right so those are bad numbers and they were expected so the uh, stock market futures really didn't change all that much they they wobbled a little bit but but really not much they expected that and when the number is within the realm of what they expect uh, nothing really happens okay <clears throat> Fifteen minutes later, right? Fifteen minutes later, Trump comes out with his crazy ass tweet, 
questioning whether the election should be held. Questioning, I guess you should read it exactly in case people haven't seen the exact tweet. It says, with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent, capitalize those two words, election in history. It'll be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly and securely safely vote? Three question marks. So when good economic numbers come out, Trump always tweets about it and brags about it within minutes. When bad news comes out, obviously he can't brag about it. He can't question these numbers. So he tries to do the all-time distraction and diversion, and it's kind of half-worked. Okay, because that's what people are talking about today. He's getting, of course, zero, listen closely, zero support from the usual suspects in the Republican Party. Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, the two leaders of of the the legislative chambers are both saying, no sale, Don, we're going to have an election, fuck off. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) so he's getting nothing out of this. And uh, even over on Fox, They're saying what the truth is on this, which is only a person who knows they're about to lose would ever, ever talk about something this desperate and out of the realm of reality. That was the tweet of a loser, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you think you're going to win, you want that election to happen, don't you? Tomorrow. You want it to happen as soon as possible. Right. Right. You want the, if the election were held today, to actually be true. Uh, um, John so, Harwood of CNN has weighed in. He had talked to Senator Cornyn of Texas, who tells Trump's election day. He says to reporters that Trump's election day tweet was a joke. So all you guys in the press, your heads will explode and you'll write about it. Oh, wait, wait, hang, hang on a second. Just simply yeah. no. Yeah, if you off. think for one second, Cornyn, if you think for one second you're going to play the he was joking and you fell for it card. That's what he's doing. For one fucking second. He's all in on it. Yeah. What? what, Is is he all in on the content of it, or is he all in on the fact that Donald Trump is the greatest comedian in the history of the world and And you fell for it it again? You guys in the press, you're taking yourself too seriously by reporting on the actual words that he tweets. Blah, 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 blah. blah. He's just trying to rattle your cage, and you can't figure it out. But the American people know, and you're stupid. That's that's, that's exactly could you explain to me what universal mail-in voting is? Is, is, is that where there will be no polls open across the country and everyone is going to mail in their ballot? Is, is, that, is that a rule somewhere? Is that, is, is, is that uh, on the line? I didn't know the, the U.S. government, yeah. federal, can make decisions for 50 states on how to conduct their elections. I, I missed that part of the, uh, the rules and the customs and, and, and everything that the Constitution mentions about voting, which is nothing, it's saying that it's up to the states. So there is no such thing as universal mail-in voting, okay? And then he says, not absentee voting, which is good. Really? Why is it good? Why is it good? Because it allows people who aren't where they need to be on Election Day to be able to vote. And it's also good because that's what you've been doing for all these years, right? He couldn't, he couldn't, uh, uh, reasonably say that something he was doing wasn't good. And then most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. Really? How do you know that? You don't know that. Here's my theory. Ready, Britt? Mm-hmm. 
You know those eight phone calls to Putin over the last few months, the ones that he was questioned about by uh, Jonathan Swan of Axios, and he couldn't find time during any of those calls to bring up the bounty for American troops' heads that were being paid by uh, Vladimir Putin to um, the Taliban. That I, I think that the Trump was, uh, uh, again, trying to let Putin know that you don't have to worry about election interference. Can you get it done for me again? You did it once. Can you do it again? And here's what Putin said back to him. He said, Trump, you're so fucking unpopular in your own country. Even I can't pull this one out of the fire for you. Okay. That's well, my I mean, theory. That, let's that think he, about, well, let's think about this though. I think right. what you're, what you're saying is, is probably true. I think Putin uses people until they're not useful to him anymore. Right. And I think, I think Trump is, is so politically weakened and such a joke and a shell of a human being and able to get anything done. I, I don't think that Putin would be able to support him because he wouldn't be able to get anything done in a second term. I well, think it would it would light America on fire if Trump was uh had a second term in office for sure and that would be helpful to Putin but I don't I don't think he's helpful to Putin right now. Right. Um I think that's definitely part of it. Yeah. But I I also think that that Putin is probably well versed much more in our election system than say Donald Trump is and he, he can read the polls. Trump can't, or Trump refuses to, or uh, pretends they don't exist, or thinks they're fake. And Putin knows that Trump is a likely loser. And remember, he won the election in 2016 by losing the popular vote and winning by slim margins in three states. That And, and it, it's true that uh, Russian help certainly was uh, one of the contributing factors. We know that. That's not open to dispute. But the margin was so thin that Putin has to be saying to himself, look, first of all, they're on to us, uh, all the Facebook stuff and, and, and the rest of it. You know, we, we can be as sophisticated as we want, but we really can't change the outcome. We can change the outcome when it's a really, really close election, but Putin is smart enough to know that this is not likely to be a close election. He's losing in all these states, Trump is, that he he won the last time. I mean, I mean Joe Biden has uh, said, hey, we're going back to Ohio. We're not throwing in the towel on Ohio. I think we've got a chance in Ohio. Big time. Big time the way, chance in Ohio. I agree with it because, uh, and as you know, I'm an expert on this, Ohio yeah. and Michigan are not that different. <laughs> and they've already thrown in the towel, the Trump campaign on Michigan. Michigan apparently is a lost cause. Wow. So what would make them think that Ohio is a cinch for Trump this time? Wait around? a minute. You're but, telling me those, those attacks on Governor Whitmer up there in Michigan didn't work? Apparently not. Is that, that's what you're telling me? That those well-placed attacks, those withering attacks that Donald Trump threw against Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, that, that's not going to pay off for him in, in November? I'm, I'm stunned by this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he's got, I think he's got a great shot. I think Biden's got a tremendous shot in Ohio. I think, he, think I think, he, but here, here's the thing. I mean, look, look at this, the spending that's going on. The Biden campaign is deciding to start to place money and ads in Places that he, uh, Hillary Clinton lost and were thought to maybe be out of reach. That's saying, 
you know what? We're, we're, we're doing well. We're not going to forget about the places that we, we need to nail down, of course, all the old Hillary states. Uh, but we think we can expand the map a little bit. Meantime, the Trump campaign is the mirror image of that. Not, not only can they not expand the uh, states that uh, they didn't win in 2016 against Hillary Clinton, they're now having to spend money to defend states that Trump won. And you really shouldn't have to do that all that much. You should. It would be as if Joe Biden felt he needed to run ads in California or New York, <laughs> just in case. Sure. That, that's how bad this is for Trump. For Trump to have to be running defensive ads in Texas against Biden. I mean, and, and it's probably in Georgia, too, right? Well, Georgia, it, Georgia oh, I, was, I would say so. I would say 100 percent. I mean, but you have to also understand that when the the donors and the folks in the Republican Party who just give money and give money and give money start smelling a loser, they're going to dry up, too. So your resources are not going to be unlimited, even though there's a lot of money that can be spent on ads and stuff. When you start spending money on place, in places like Texas and Arizona and Georgia and you don't have money to spend on places like Wisconsin and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan, yeah, I mean, that that, that makes a difference. They will start getting the whiff of a loser, and they're going to back off. Uh, what else is uh, – oh, you know, the uh, the Kodak – story it's growing it continues to matriculate as we yeah. celebrate hydro hydroxychloroquine week it's back it, 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 it it's getting a lot of attention and and that ceo uh apparently was and i guess this is legal and he's allowed to buy a certain amount of shares every three months or so collecting them up but he cashed in big time. When I say cashed in, I don't know whether I'm sure he didn't sell everything yesterday at three fifty in the afternoon. But, but his uh, his net worth just went through the roof by by tens of millions of dollars because of the rise in in that stock of uh, of, of of Kodak. And you know what? I I uh, went to the bottom of my old drawer and pulled out my old brownie camera and just looked at it and smiled and said way to go a kodak moment there you it's go. interesting that it's interesting that they just went all in this week for no reason in particular to go ahead and start pushing the hydroxychloroquine thing they just decided it for whatever reason he wanted it out there he had the demon seed woman out there and she's been and now now there's a huge kerfuffle because that video of those doctors touting hydroxychloroquine has been you know uh it's been taken down by a lot of social media platforms and some folks are very upset about that, that the, the, the fake medicine and the bullshit medicine yeah, of this woman. Shit. <laughs> they're upset I mean, about it's, it. It's just like, like, like tough shit. And, and, and remember, that was 12 news cycles ago. Exactly. Okay. So we're, we're on to where we are right now. And, and, and it, it looks to me like the, the, the big story over the next two days is going to be this complete inability to come up with a, uh, package to uh, spend money to keep the economy from uh, you know falling off a cliff and, and into a ravine that we uh, really can't get out of and I would say in a country that has an, an annual contraction rate of uh, about 34 percent in their economy you damn well better do something or next thing you'll know the next three months will be uh, contracting at a rate of 50 percent. And and I just don't believe for one second all this happy talk that I hear from CEOs and people like that say, oh, absolutely, we we've been on the upswing since uh, since late May. Things are really turning around. Inventories are starting to build again. We're we're everything is. 
what what planet are these people living on? I don't know. What what planet are these people on? What, when, when there are tens of millions of people who spend money who don't have any money to spend because they either don't have jobs and are going to have their unemployment cut off here in the next few days. And um, I, I, I just, it, it just astounds me. It, it just astounds me. I mean, Hey, uh, I think, think of what, what, think of him what you want, but an apology needs to go out to John Edwards, the two Americas guy. Okay. It was it was a great message. It was a flawed messenger, but yeah, yeah I but, think the message so was what? spot he on. Was, he was he was right about it, and and if this is accentuating it, it is sharpening the division between um, the the people who have educations and who have jobs who can continue to work at home or are in in places with good benefits that uh, protect their workers, and then everyone else known as essential workers. Remember, the, the people with educations working in those, they're not essential, but they do well. But we treat our essential workers like shit. Okay? Exactly. Und- underpay them. Yep. And uh, I I just think that the, the, the crisis that wipes every bit of optimism off the map right now in terms of the economy is going to be the inability for schools to reopen. In, in any large number, public schools, you it it just can't happen. I I, I I don't know how you do it, and and you can see this game that is being played. Well, uh, we've now decided where we are, Brit and Guilford. Well, the first nine weeks are going to be remote. On now, where they came up with the number nine? Okay, besides thinking about the late Herman Cain, nine nine nine, nine, nine yeah, remember that plan. Um. Yeah, it, it sounds like an arbitrary number. Why not ten? What's wrong with five? Let's see how it's going. I feel and, like I feel like the nine weeks in in a lot of places are going with that. Similarly, I think it's like when you 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 wanted your mom to get you ice cream and she said we'll see. I think that's basically their their determination of we'll see. They can't really say we have to cancel it for the entire time, but they have to act like they're going to look at the data. And it's pretty obvious that they're not going to be able to open things up completely after nine weeks. But they. They kind of have to say that to appease people, I think. But what's true and kind of inarguable is we had public school staffing problems, shortages of teachers long before this. Yes. This didn't start five months ago. It did not start in um, you know February or March of, of 2020, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of older teachers were retiring and there were lots of openings and you know it's just it's a tough job that doesn't pay all that well for for most people well fast forward to here right now and if you're a uh, uh, 57 years old you've been a public school teacher for 25 years or whatever and they're trying to order you to go back to school and teach in person to kids who would come from homes where a parent might have to work a job, an essential job, and be exposed. And you want to talk about Russian roulette. That's what this is. This is educational Russian roulette. I don't want to give any credit to Russia here. But, um, so these people are going to retire. Every damn one of them. Who's going to re- who, who wants to do that? Who, who, who wants to die 
I love my kids. I'm even willing to spend money to buy pencils and paper and all kinds of school supplies. That's okay. I'll tolerate that. But you're going to order me back in there and make me be exposed to uh, a, a killer virus of which there is there's no vaccine and there isn't going to be a vaccine next week, Mama. Uh, and if we can't get the schools back open and, and people can't leave their homes because somebody's got to take care of the kids, they can't be left alone. We can't have, you know, 30 million new latchkey kids. That's not going to work well. Um, I don't know how you turn the economy truly back in the right direction until you can assure teachers and the custodians and the principals and everybody else, the secretaries who work mm-hmm. in schools. Lunchroom that, ladies. That it's, it's, right, that it's going to be safe. I, I, I just, you, and, well, and, and all the other happy talk that surrounds this, I think is bullshit. The, we're going to put up plastic shields. Oh, it's noise. It. It's completely noise. I, think I mean, it's bullshit. Oh, it's, it's, uh, I think this is also setting up another one of those deals where the people who are inclined not to like teachers unions are just going to bitch about teachers unions trying to keep people alive. I think that's going to be another thing. This is like the people who think teachers unions are the most evil thing. Remember the great Neil Boards, big fan of Herman Cain, uh, often said that teachers unions were more dangerous than Al Qaeda. And back in the day, and then the terrorists who uh, you know went after us on 9/11. So again, it's going to be the teachers' union who are actually just trying to protect the teachers from dying, who are going to be blamed for uh, threatening you know to to strike or to walk out or not let their their teachers go back to work unless there are some protections in place. And you're right, there's no reasonable protections that can be used against these people. And then uh, the you lunch can't ladies get kids to do anything, right? The this lunch ladies that are. Yeah. The lunch ladies that are making twelve bucks an hour, the bus drivers that are making twelve bucks an hour, maybe fifteen. You want those guys to go out there and risk their lives? I mean, it's 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 madness. I, I agree, it's complete bullshit and it's noise. That the ah uh, yeah, we'll be able to do some of this and some of that, and eventually we'll get back in the swing of it. Forget it. You're, you're fooling yourselves. Well, under the best circumstances, pre-virus, um, our educational system seems to have been teetering. For a, for a long time. And, and by the way, you and I are both out of the game. Okay. Yes. You, you, you have no kids. That's right. And mine are, are, are long gone to the wind out there, uh, living their lives. So we don't have to, to worry about this. What I see, uh, aside from it, this is one more opportunity to try to dismantle the public school system because private schools are saying, well, we can handle it. Um, we, we can afford to do this. We can keep your kids safe. And a lot of private schools across the country are going to be open for business regular. Now, I don't know whether that's going to work, but it sounds exactly like the kind of thing that the anti-public school right-wing Christian-based homeschoolers have been dreaming of. An opportunity to undercut public schools because yes, they have more kids in the class, and and yes, they have to teach all kinds of handicapped kids and everybody, all comers. Uh, they don't get to to uh, pick and choose like private schools, and so this is uh, the the, uh, the the privatization crowd, the Betsy DeVos's crowd. I mean, she's the education secretary and hates public education. Great, mm-hmm. put her on the list. Well, that's a qualification if you're in the Trump administration. So, so on Wednesday, her uh, Mike Pence and her showed up in Raleigh. 
Yeah. They showed up in Raleigh at a, 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 a private school. There's about eight or ten in the uh, – it's a little chain over there in the triangle. And uh, it looks like it's a pretty successful enterprise, and that's fine. But but you see what they're doing. And, boy, the uh, the, the president and uh, Mike Pence spending a lot of time in North Carolina these days. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that they've made it some, some somewhat of a priority, and I don't quite understand. I, are they scared? Are they afraid? I, I wonder what. Could, could it be because the, uh, the polls are at best dead even, and uh, some of them have Joe Biden already ahead? In North Carolina, could it be that? It, it, could it be? You know, I. I yes, yeah, of course I'm, it could. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I'll answer the question. I, I mean, it's it. Things are not looking good for for Tom Tillis. We know that. I mean, and, and the top of the ticket looks even shitter than that. Roy Cooper's having a great time against Dan Forrest. So I, but I don't know if again how much time can Trump and the Trump campaign devote to North Carolina when they have all these other fires they need to put out. Well, I'm, I'm, they're not here every day. I'm not saying that, but the, but the fact is, Trump wasn't here for for a while. I mean, I, I think that last rally he had in Charlotte in February, that was the last time he was uh, he was here. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, there's only well, you used to think there would only be about, about uh, six or seven states that that Trump would try to go to. You know, it would be Florida, North Carolina. Um, yeah, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, but now now he's got to keep going to Texas. Okay, I mean he went to Texas on Wednesday, and of course completely ignored the coronavirus. It just it had nothing. And in Texas is losing two three hundred people a day, dying in that state. He goes there and sits in front of a bunch of little J.R. Ewing oil executives and talks about uh, how he's going to. Uh, make sure that we're going to drill the shit out of the world still. And if Joe Biden gets in there, it'll be the AOC Green New Deal. There'll be no oil, no cows, no meat, no crops, no anything. Uh, we'll we'll just be crawling along a desert eating sand. So you better elect me. <laughs> is, that, no... is that so? In Joe Biden's America, not only are black people going to rape and kill you, but you you'll have to eat sand. <laughs> it won't matter because you're, you'll be raped and you're dying on the on the. On, is that on, on the what's floor. happening? Because you won't be safe in Joe Biden's America, and you won't be able to get a Big Mac. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so in Donald Trump's America, the, Wait, in no, Donald the best. He always he always tries to lace in how he's the environmental president. How right. no one has done more than for the and he'll use these elementary phrases like we love our environment we you know things crazy just nonsensical construction of meaningless pap like that no nobody's better on the environment than 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 we've been okay we've loosened more regulations and the moron sitting there well wait a minute if you loosen a bunch of regulations what were those regulations there for oh they were to protect the environment so trump the, the master can, at the same time that he's saying nobody cares more about the environment than, than we do, brag about how he's knocked out more environmental regulations than anybody in, in human history to unleash our great oil industry to, to rape and pillage the Permian Basin, which is what I thought the sink was in Trump Tower on floor 56, <laughs> the Permian Basin. That's what I thought it was. I didn't know. Nobody told me. 
I think we can look forward to the Tucker Carlson, Matt Drudge feud continuing, Brad, because I'm looking at the front of the Drudge Report. don't know if you've seen it. No, no, I didn't see this. Top of the fold, it's in all red. Trump floats election delay, clings to power. And there's a picture of Donald Trump with some of those religious leaders and Mike Pence around him praying and laying hands on him as though he was Jesus Christ. So I believe Matt Drudge is all in on mocking this particular thing of uh, this particular statement of Donald Trump. And I think this is going to piss off Tucker Carlson even more. Well, you know, when you said 20 minutes ago that the fallback position of John Cornyn, who, by the way, is in danger of losing his Senate seat. He is going to be in a tough fight against a good opponent. Yeah. Um, and uh, if Trump goes down in Texas or if Trump can barely win in Texas, you can count Cornyn out. So when the best he can do on a day where every and I don't even want to use the word responsible Republican because that's an inoperative phrase. But uh, any Republican who has a, a uh, uh, an ability to get their message out uh, called complete bullshit on Trump for that tweet. When Cornyn relies on the he was just joking and you don't get the joke, you have no sense of humor, that every, we, we know that. We could find 20 examples where they do that. And believe me, by, by 5 this afternoon, uh, Trump will probably come out and say, no, I was serious. So Cornyn will have tried to defend Trump indefensibly by saying he was joking. And then Trump, when asked about it, he will be dead serious and say, I wasn't joking. How many times has that happened? How many fingers and toes do you have? A million times. I mean, and it, I, I, I go back to your how go back to your marriage analogies that you're always like, oh, yeah, honey, I said you had a big fat ass, but I was only kidding. I was just trying to get a rise out of you. Would that Wait. work? <laughs> Too late. Would that work? Would that be something that you would be able to get away with? Because yeah. I don't think you would. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a. Uh, I I I think I think we have tilled enough soil for the day. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, because I don't want to eat sand, Brad. I don't want to eat sand in Joe Biden's America. I do want to make America segregated again, though. Make, you like make America segregated again? Massa is fantastic. Massa. Give me a hat now. Yeah. Yeah. Brad and Brit.com.